Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Robert Shemin, who is a successful millionaire, millionaire and a real estate investor. Uh, he's the author of 16 best-selling books. Welcome to the show, Robert. It's great to be here, Jordan. How are you doing? Very good. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you started, and uh, we're going to get into a lot of the details, but just give us a little bit of your background first. Well, great. Um, I uh, pretty much flunked out of high school. I was voted least likely to succeed. I had a form of dyslexia, and uh, you know, I was told the uh, best job I ever get would be farming, and um, I stumbled around doing different things. And then when I was 27, I was pretty much broke, uh, living hour to hour, not paycheck to paycheck. That would have been a nice uh, but when I was 27, um, I met a gentleman who also never graduated high school, who had over 120 properties paid for. Um, he wasn't the brightest bulb in the tanning bed, but he's a great guy. He made millions of dollars starting his own businesses and in real estate, and I followed him around for about a year. He showed me what to do without any money or, uh, or educational background. I started buying real estate, which is a kind of a emotionally charged word right now. And uh, within two years, I retired at age 30. I had enough real estate. Um, to retire, and I've been doing more real estate and other businesses and writing books and teaching other people how to become wealthy and successful. And my favorite thing to do now is to help others. So how's that for a quick uh, down-and-dirty background? Very good. So I guess you'd call yourself a wealth creator. Is that right? Yeah, I do a lot of real estate investing, other types of investing. And, uh, I've, I've got about seven businesses I run. I help other people start businesses, uh, usually taking something they love, and creating into a business. Um, everybody has something they love, whether it's a hobby, an interest. And I always believe that if you uh, do something you love, you don't feel like you're working, and you'll make more money as opposed to for the first 27 years of my life, I just tried to force myself to make money, didn't like what I was doing, and it just didn't work very well. What, what stops most people from becoming wealthy? I think it's the first three things would be uh, number one, fear, number two, fear, and number three, fear. And, you know, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, I'm a, a paralysis of analysis. And it all comes from we don't want to make a mistake. So instead of making a little mistake, we don't do anything. And we, we you know, we study, we learn, we dream, we think, but we don't do anything. And I got some great news for everybody. Whatever you do, you're going to make mistakes. That's how you learn. And you might as well just get started. Um, understand that it's going to be a process. Nothing's perfect. But if you're in it for the long term and you stick with it and you're willing to be persistent, and uh, you know, like most people, I tried to you know make money without doing anything. You know, the you know I bought everything off the TV and every scam and whatever. And I've never found anyone who's made a lot of money who didn't work or at least do something. So the way to get over the fear is make a plan. You know, maybe get a mentor and just start doing activities um, and stop talking and thinking about it so much. And I know that sounds simple, but that's what works. Now, what, you've done many books. One of your books is called The Seven Secrets of the Money Masters. We're going to get into those secrets, but overall, what what is the theme of that book and how you can help people uh, become wealthy? Well, I wrote that after the big crash, you know, the stock market and real estate market. And, you know, people were speculating, and I gave you a very simple anagram uh, to analyze any investment before they do it. And it's, um, you know, secrets. Uh, one is it's safe. Um, you know, what are the real risks? People, when they speculate, they always forget about the risks. You know, markets go up, stocks go up, stocks go down. So you got to really understand it. 
The next one is E, what are the real expenses, uh, especially with a business or real estate? A lot of people don't take into account the expense of an investment. Um, the R is uh, the real rate of return. Um, a lot of mutual funds and stocks and businesses, by law, can advertise average rate of return. So it's okay to just take a quick minute and explain this. I think it's very important to kind of flip people out. You see in the stock market uh, promotions, you know, average rate of return, you know, 10%. Well, if you have a dollar and you put it in a stock or a business and it goes up, it goes down 50%, you have 50 cents at the end of the year, it went down 50%. At the end of the second year, you have a great year, it goes up 100%. You had 50 cents to start, it goes up 100%, you make 50 cents, now you have a dollar. So in two years, you went from a, uh, put a dollar in and you have a dollar at the end. Well, the average rate of return down 50% one year, up 100% the next year, the average rate of return would be 25% a year, but you didn't make any money. But by law, they can advertise 25% average rate of return. So you got to be real careful about real rate of return. Your real rate of return, how much money you made, is actually zero or less. Does that kind of make sense? That does make sense, uh-huh. We're going to go through them in, in uh, more detail. You start off that book with what you call the skinny cow. Uh, tell us what the skinny cow is and how that affects uh, people's perceptions of how they can become wealthy. Well, it's funny. It's kind of a long story, which I, I probably won't have time to go into right now, but it's a it's a true story of a poor family uh, that had a little skinny cow. You know, every couple of days they get a little milk. It, they were back uh, two, three hundred years ago, and everybody was poor, and everybody was just basically getting by. And uh, this uh, spiritual leader came by and said, I'm hungry, I want to eat some meat. And they actually had to slaughter their little skinny cow to feed the uh, spiritual leader. And uh, three years later, um, the spiritual leader and his students were uh, at a meeting, and they see this big carriage go by, you know, 300 years ago uh, with guards and the families in the best clothes, drinking champagne, living it up. And the students of the spiritual leader go, that can't be that same couple that we saw, you know, uh, a couple of years ago in that little hut with a, you know, barely getting by with that little skinny, nasty cow. And the spiritual said, yeah. He goes, the only thing keeping them from being wealthy, they were always wealthy, was that little skinny cow. I had to get rid of it. And, you know, that kind of misses a big part of the story. But the point is, we all have a little skinny cow that we rely on. It could be a job, um, could be maybe one or two little investments we keep just, you know, guarding and protecting. And you got to really get out of your situation, look at the big picture, get over your fears, and say, how can I really get the life I want? And by the way, being wealthy is not just a number. It's not just about making money. It's an attitude. So if you're not appreciative of what you have, whether it is a little skinny cow or you're making 10 bucks an hour or 100 bucks an hour or whatever, you'll never be wealthy. So it's not just a number when we talk about being wealthy. It's, it's an attitude. It's being grateful. And just being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it and not have to worry about money. So everybody needs a plan to get there. And if what you're doing is working, great. If not, you need to do something else. But we all just so much focus and rely on what we're doing and we're so involved in it, we don't see the big picture. And uh, that's kind of what the skinny cow represents. So explain a little bit further. By getting rid of the skinny cow, how did that couple go from eking out a living to becoming wealthy. I, I don't understand the connection. What, yeah, and again, it's a pretty long story. Uh, what happens is when this spiritual leader came and asked to stay in their house and asked the, um, um, <laughs> it's usually about a 15-minute story, so I kind of uh, went over uh, very quickly, but I'll try to tell you what happened. When the uh, spiritual leader came to this little people's hut and, and asked to stay in, and they offered him uh, a place to stay, he said, can I have some meat? 
and they debated if they if they slaughter this cow, they'll have nothing. And they did it, um, and they fed the spiritual air and spiritual left. And, of course, there was tension in the house, the wife and the husband. They just killed their little cow. What are they going to eat the next week? No milk for the kids. And so the man was so stressed out, like many people, he left the house, went for a walk, saw a man hurt in the um, uh, bushes, and he bent down uh, to help him out, get him some water, fix him up a little bit. And this man that he helped uh, said, do you know who I am? And he goes, no, I know you're not from our little town. The, the old man said, I'm, I'm from uh, the capital city. I'm one of the richest people in the country. And, you know, you helped me without knowing who I was. And, you know, my family and friends, all they want is my money. So the point is, the minute you uh, do something to serve others, I believe, in the long run, for the right reasons, all your problems go away. And number two, if you really have the intention of helping people or, or a mission of some sort, You'll end up doing well. And what happened was this guy stopped and helped this man. He said, my family wants me to die. They want the money. They're waiting for the will to be executed. He actually willed him uh, a large part of his estate. He became wealthy that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> that but, that makes sense. Something have had to have happened to make that yeah. work. But that makes sense. But the, the, it's a true story. But the, the metaphor for everybody is, you know, when you're focused on your problems, your problems just get bigger. And the minute, just like he did, stop to help somebody else, things get better. Now, on a real practical note, um, I just had a meeting in Europe with one of the largest investment banking houses. And you're going to wait a minute. How do we go from skinny cow investment banking? And I met a gentleman. I had dinner with him who literally looks at 1,500 businesses a month, startups, new businesses, growing businesses. And I said, how can you tell uh, someone who's going to do really well, you know, really make a lot of money, really be successful? You know, you're looking at 1,500 businesses. He says it's very simple. He goes, the people that just come in here and want to make a bunch of money, sometimes it works, but it never seems to work for the long term. When people come in with a real mission, something they really believe in, and they want to help people or create a new way of doing things, and the money is secondary, those people always seem to do better. So it kind of goes along with the story. The minute you you know, really look to, to improve something or make someone else better or life better or an application better, and not just say, how can I, you know, score a, a few hundred bucks or a few hundred thousand bucks real quick? Um, those people and those businesses seem to do better, not only in theory, but in actual reality. So, Great. again, I just want to let people think about that. Most of the super successful people are actually on a mission. They're not there just to, to you know, suck the last dollar out of their client. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest today is Robert Shemin. Uh, he's the author of 16 best-selling books. He calls himself a wealth creator. And we're going to learn more about becoming wealthy and real estate investing when we come back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. 
Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Robert Shemin. Uh, he's the author of 16 best-selling books, uh, including uh, those on real estate investing and, and various ways of increasing your wealth. Welcome back to the show, Robert. Good to be with you. We want to get back to the seven secrets a little bit. Just talk a little bit more about safety and your first secret. People are so concerned today uh, with what's going on in Europe and the value of their money going down and so on. What, what is the appropriate way for people to uh, get safety uh, in their investment and use of money? Well, the number one thing is understand exactly what you're investing in and, and how it works um, from A to Z and uh, um, who's doing it. Uh, we always tell people in investing there's two things. There's like horseback ride, horse racing. You've got the horse, which is the investment vehicle or the business or the stock or the real estate. And then you got the jockey, you know, who's, uh, who's directing the horse, who's directing the investment. And you really got to understand both to do that. And, and um, you know, there's been some big surprises the last seven years. Uh, people that were highly respected uh, went bankrupt or stole money and uh, people that thought they were safe companies. But, Things are very simple, and I, I think safety also can mean simple. Um, you know, I was approached by Bernie Madoff's people, and I asked him, how can you make 18% of a return every year? And then I asked another question, who does your accounting? And this is a billion-dollar company. They said, oh, it's our cousin Leon or whatever his name was in a basement. So I know this sounds silly in retrospect, but any investment that you're going to do, whether it's a stock, a bond, a company, a piece of real estate, you need to make sure you understand everything. And that's what's going to make it safe. And if you don't understand something, definitely do not do it. And I know this sounds uh, insane, but the FBI uses it. Uh, people have read the book Blink. Your intuition, if you're relaxed and uh, how you feel, is, is 99% accurate uh, more than any logic. So if you don't feel comfortable or don't understand something, don't do it. It's probably not safe. And you, you, have a whole, you have a whole chapter on expense. What are some of the things that people don't realize about expenses that they should realize in keeping expenses under control? Well, here's the biggest one for, I think, real estate investors and entrepreneurs is the biggest expense is their own time, and they don't bill or charge for it. So, you know, you're going to spend uh, 50 hours a week for a year building a business or doing some side investment, and, you know, you made $8,000, which is great, but if you divide out the amount of hours you spent, you know, you're making 4 bucks an hour or something. Um, so your own time is the most important asset. You have much more important than money. 
Um, that's a big expense people meet, uh, uh, don't um, figure in. And the second biggest expense are the real expenses. I mean, all entrepreneurs, all investors, including myself, including you, were super optimistic. And yeah. on any investment, and this will change people's lives if they'll do it. We do three analyses. A, if everything goes great, here what's the revenue and expenses will be. B, if everything goes medium, here's what the revenue and expenses will be. And C, what if we encounter some disasters? What are the revenues and expenses? What's the worst, worst case scenario? And if you'll take an extra 30 minutes and do that analysis, it'll save you a lot of time. And make sure you include all of your expenses, taxes, insurance, your time, you know, repairs, how much long it's really going to take to get the, the investment going. Just people get excited. They just skip over all that. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, then your next uh, chapter is on cash flow. Uh, how do you figure out how to improve your cash flow? Well, with any investment is, uh, you know, it's real simple what's coming in and what's going out. And a lot of people, especially with uh, investments, uh, normal investments, they don't understand the real cash flow. Um, you know, and this goes back to expenses. For instance, on mutual funds, um, they take out expenses. They take out uh, charges and commissions. And a lot of them are hidden. And you have to look at what's really coming in and what's really going out. And what's interesting with a lot of mutual funds and, 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 and big investments that people are, are sold, they really don't understand um, the cash flow and uh, how it's uh, 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 broken up and where the money's coming from. Also with real estate. And I'll tell you something uh, that will blow people's minds. I'm a real estate investor. And on any rental unit, you have a 30 to 40% vacancy and repair rate. So if your rent's a $1,000 a month, over time, you have to replace roofs and carpets. People don't pay the rent all the time. So you're going to take three, $400 a month off for repairs. Most people don't figure that in, and all of a sudden they don't have any cash flow. They can't afford to keep the investment or the business. And that's the number one reason businesses go out of business. It's not that the people aren't working hard. It's not that it's not a good business. It's that cash flow. They're not making enough money to keep going. So, you know... Those are some basic rules they need to look at and really understand what's coming in and what's really, really going out. You then have a chapter about what you call economy, where you kind of go around the world and talk about the opportunities elsewhere around the world. So, since you travel a lot, what is your sense of opportunities around the world these days, uh, particularly with well, what's happening in Europe and so on? Well, that's the point. In any investment, you could have the best investment in the world, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Greece explodes or Portugal goes broke or, uh, the, you know, um, and if you don't understand the world environment, then you're making a big mistake. Um, you know, I love America, and there's opportunity everywhere, but the growth rates here are almost non-existent. The growth rates in Europe are almost non-existent. Where is all the growth? Um, Brazil, parts of South America, China, India. Um, you know, I'll give you another example, real basic. I live in South America part of the year, and I bought some real estate in Colombia, South America, which was the hottest real estate market and stock market a year or two ago. So my real estate went up 40% in one year. Sounds good, doesn't it, Jordan? 40% yes, in one year. Yeah. Well, the dollar went down 40%. <laughs> so that's why you got to understand the world economy. So my investment went up 40%. The currency dollar went down 40% almost. And so... If I was in dollars, my investment would net out zero. So you really got to understand the the world now is really one place. Um, you know, everything affects everything. We're affected by what goes on in Europe. And if you don't really understand all that, 
then again, your investment's not safe. Um, I like to do investments that I can control that aren't subject to, you know, like the stock market. I can't control that. Um, something can happen in Europe or China or Iran next week and, you know, things go down 10 or 15% and that's not real comfortable. So most people are taught to do easy investing. It's kind of like fast food. It's easy. Um, it's convenient. And if you do enough of it, it'll probably kill you. Same thing with so, investing. Yeah. You, you then have yeah, a whole chapter on tax efficiency. What do people do not realize about uh, taxes that uh, they get heard about? Well, you know, everyone who's listening right now, including you and I, has a partner, and it's the government. And uh, they take anywhere from 30 to 50% generally of what we make. And, you know, wealthy and successful people, the only thing uh, they focus on is after-tax dollars. And, you know, most people don't do anything, you know, um, uh, about it. They uh, go to work, they get a couple of exemptions and just pay taxes. And I'll give you one quick example, um, pension plans. Um IRAs, they sound great. You put your money in, it grows for 20, 30, 40 years, tax-free, and you take it out. Everybody's doing it. Why was it created? It was signed into law in the 70s because the government needed money. Shocking, isn't it? Um, and what they do is they don't tax the seed. You put your money in, but when you harvest it in 20, 30, 40 years, and it's grown to a half a million or a million dollars, they force you to take it out, force distributions at 70 years old, and they tax you at your highest tax rate, which could be anywhere from 30 to 40, maybe even higher percentage-wise uh, down the road. So they let it grow tax rate, and they take almost half. Now, Roth IRAs are a little different. So the point is, is what do wealthy people do? They use other products like insurance, um, self-directed IRAs, um, deferred programs, uh, assets that they're not taxed as much. But if you're out working a job, everybody knows – you know, 30, 40 percent is going to the government. The IRS has a big billboard on the tax code that says start your own business, you know, not only to make money, but also for tax reasons. So is that it's something a lot more. that you think makes sense tax-wise is to start your own business? You get a lot of tax breaks that you wouldn't get if you're not running your own business. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not political. Uh, who writes the tax code? Very wealthy people, senators, um, congressmen. They're not a lot of poor people. And, uh, you know, what do most of them do? They're attorneys or have their own businesses. And when you have your own business, you get to write off a lot of stuff. Okay. Uh, and then your final chapter on, in this book is, is what you call sense. What are some sense that people should be having in, in the way they deal with their money? Well, what we do is we take all the safety, the expenses, the cash flow, the real return, the taxes, the economy. And we actually in the book show you how to score it. And, if the score is high enough and it makes sense, then you do it. And if it doesn't, you don't. It's kind of a, um, that's sort of the way it, it should work. And again, the last question is, is the first one is, does it make sense to you? And if it doesn't make sense, don't ever do it. So why do people do things that don't make sense to them? Um, it's greed and ego. We get excited. Um, most investments are made off the greed factor. I want to, you know, double my money, triple my money, hit the home run. And, you know, it's just like Vegas. People never tell you about the 10 trips they went and they lost money. They just tell about the one time they hit the, the, the good one. So be very, very careful. Be careful who you're dealing with and don't get emotional. Um, I'd recommend a three-day waiting period before you make any investment. One of the other things you talked about is uh, cutting off uh, credit cards and, and wrong use of debt. How, how do people abuse credit cards and what should they do about it? Well, there's two types of debt. Um, 
you know, some people say all debt's bad. That's an emotional decision. If you're borrowing money on stuff that goes down in value that are not assets, like, you know, shopping, dinner, cruises, and you put on your credit card and you pay interest on it, you're paying interest on something that's gone down in value. That, to me, makes no sense. You know, if you can't afford it, don't do it. Now, I will borrow money on an investment that I know that is safe, that I understand, and it's earning 10 20%. I'll borrow money at four, five, six, eight percent because I'm making a profit. But again, you got to know your numbers. Be very careful. But most people use credit cards for non-asset purchases. And again, you're going to pay, you know, two, three, four times what you would have paid because the interest. It makes absolutely no sense. There's no tax advantage. And basically, people are, are instant gratification. I want it now, and I'll pay for it later. And you will pay for it later. And when you show people the real numbers over time, it's just astronomical what it does to your wealth erosion. Um, Particularly with where interest rates are today. <laughs> yeah. We're just trained. We're trained to consume now. We're trained to borrow. And who's teaching us this? You know, the banks and credit card companies. And it's and no one teaches us proper money management. You know, if you can't afford it, don't get it. And if it's not an asset, don't borrow for it. I've never borrowed for a car. Um, I buy them uh, secondhand or a couple years old, and um, you know I usually pay cash because it's a depreciating asset. I'm not going to pay double for it. No, it makes a lot of sense. Very good. All right, we're going to go to a break. We just talked about uh, the seven secrets of money of the money masters uh, from Robert Sherman. Um, his website is Robert Sherman S H E M I N dot com. Uh, to find out more about him, Robert speaks around the world and has done uh, many many books. We're going to speak more about real estate investing when we get back after this. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. 
The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Robert Shemin. Uh, he is a wealth creator, uh, author of 16 best-selling books. And now I want to talk a little bit uh, about uh, real estate, Robert. You've written several books on one of them being... Uh, successful real estate investing, how to avoid the 70, 75 most costly mistakes that investors make. We don't have a chance to get into all of them, but let's get to some of the basics, particularly in today's real estate market where you have very low mortgage rates, uh, prices depressed, in many cases kind of a surplus of property. What are some ways that people can make be successful in real estate investing today? Well, first of all, uh, those mistakes, I've made every one of them at least five times. So what I've learned, I've learned the hard way. Um, you know, when I was brought up, and most people brought up, there's, they were taught there's only one way to make money in real estate. And that is, you go buy a property, you borrow a bunch of money, uh, whether you can afford it or not, you fight with the contractors, you fix up, then you rent it out, fight with the renters, and you sell it. And that's buy and hold property, and that works if you have a lot of cash flow, but most people speculated. So the first thing is, I'm not a speculator, I don't teach it, I'm an investor. We teach people how to buy stuff 30 40% below today's market. Um, the second thing is there's a lot of ways to make money in real estate without using your own money or cash. Now, when people hear that, they say that's impossible. And we say without your money or cash, we mean there's money or cash, it's just not yours. So I don't like risk. Um, so one of the ways that uh, we do is we uh, make money is we put a place under contract. We have 30 or 60 days to close on it. And if it's a really good deal, a buyer comes along, usually another investor, and they'll pay 10 or 15% more because you got a great deal. So let me give you an example. Uh, I think today we're closing on a place in Atlanta, Georgia. It's worth 180000 Real estate's just numbers. needs 30000 in repairs. That's 150 plus 30. We got our contract for 90. We're going to sell it to an investor for 110. We didn't buy it. We didn't borrow money. And we're going to make about twenty or $19,000 just for finding a good deal. We have it under contract. We haven't bought it yet. The end seller, the end buyer comes in and buys it. That's called flipping or wholesaling or quick turning. So just to throw some of that, it's another way to make money in real estate without taking a lot of risk. And you have a way out, a contingency. So that's one way besides buying and holding or buying, fixing and selling. So basically the idea is to have somebody, you have an exit strategy before you've even entered to it. Correct. Or if it's a really good deal, you're, you're going to laugh. We put on Craigslist, you know, that cost anything. And if it's a really good deal, people will call and respond to the ad. And if it's a good deal, someone will buy it. If it's not a good deal, no one will buy it. And there's a wholesale and a retail market for everything. Most people are taught to buy things retail full price. You know, the, the, the mall, cars, real estate. And there's a wholesale market for real estate, 20, 30, 40% below market. You just got to go there and dig and find a highly motivated sellers. And they're out there, especially in today's market. So, so the, the, the stress in the real estate market can actually be your friend if you're buying uh, in this situation. Absolutely. There's more deals. Now, the challenge is money's a little harder to come by. You know, six years ago, you're going to get an investment loan, you know, just by filling in an application and fogging a mirror. And now the money's a little tighter, but it's out there. Um, and... So there are buyers, if it's a good deal. Um, there's a lot of foreign buyers right now um, in different cities. 
and a lot of investor buyers. And uh, it's funny, um, the market is distressed, but we're seeing a lot of buyers, a lot of offers, a lot of people figured out. And it'll change. It always does. So there's a window of opportunity, and it will change. And how do you find the location uh, for where you want to be? Do you want to be in depressed places like uh, Florida or Miami or Las Vegas or places where there's a lot of desperate sellers? Or how do, how do you find the right location to do these kind of deals? Well, that's a great question, Jordan. And it's funny, um, you're, make, you're saying something that's very interesting. You know, the question is, I always get this, which market? And the funny thing is there is no market. Uh, let me give you an example. You mentioned Las Vegas and Miami. I'm actually calling you from Miami. Um, in every market, there's about 30 different markets by the beach, the high end, the low end, the middle end, and it all moves differently. The people want us to believe there's like one market for real estate in all of Las Vegas or all of Miami. It's not true. So I don't do markets. I do deals. Um, you know, all you need is one deal a month or a couple a year to make a lot of money. And I believe within an hour and a half of where anyone lives, there's plenty of deals to do. Now, there's markets, like you mentioned, that have really taken a bath, you know, Vegas, Phoenix, Miami. You know, they went in some areas of their town, went down 40, 50, 80%. So in those areas, it's a little easier to find deals. But there's deals everywhere. Um, I've done them probably in 20 different states or been involved in them somehow. I've done, done it in foreign countries. I was So... I don't necessarily do markets, we do deals. And I think if people will make that focus change, they'll have a lot more success. It's easier to find deals in these depressed places, but how do you get buyers who are willing to buy it back from you at a higher price uh, you know, well, in depressed markets? Again, um, it's all numbers. And remember, we're buying 30% or more below today's market. So the house is worth 100000 today. Maybe five years ago, it was worth 180000 and we're getting it for below market today. And there's buyers out there who are looking for deals. And right now, if it's a deal, it goes in three, four, or five days. And once you do this, just like any business, you develop relationships. You know who the buyers are. And it's really not as hard as people think if it's a deal. So you have to have a sense of value to see what is and is not a deal. And how do you develop that? Well, um, I'm lazy. Um, you know, so what I do is I get a realtor who's willing to help me, and they press a few buttons on their computer, and they run comparable sales. And uh, that's a few clicks of a button. Most people who are uh, computer savvy, I'm not. I can't use computers because of my dyslexia. They can go to you know a host of computer programs and pretty much get the values today. And then we get a repair person or contractor to verify our repair values because those you know you got to be very careful with. And we just look at the numbers now. And, you know, you want to look at the area, too, and ask people about the area. I don't – I used to, but I don't like to buy in war zones. I mean, you can go out there and buy houses for $5,000 in certain cities, but, you know, you, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm just saying you may not want to be in that kind of business in those kind of areas. There's distressed sales in the middle class, high end, low end, everywhere, all over the country. In certain cities, there's just more of them. So you're saying in a certain way it's better today – because there's more distress out there. Absolutely. And uh, I'm buying more real estate or involved in more deals this past two, three years than I have in the last seven years because it's just easier. <laughs> it's easier to buy. I, I just wonder about the selling part, but if you have the eager buyers. Selling is there, too, if it's a deal. People are looking for deals. And you got to remember, when people say the market, in the height of the real estate market, there's 5.8 million residential sales in America. Last year, there were 4.3 or 4. 
million residential sales. So it's not like, you know, if you read the, if you watch the press, there's no houses being bought or sold. It's just not true. It's just down percentage wise. But out of, you know, four and a half million residential sales, all you and I have to do is find 10 or 20 of them. <laughs> yeah. And then do you do a commercial uh, as well and uh, apartment buildings and uh, stores and so on? I do. And a lot of banks have taken back apartment buildings and some commercial and uh, they're giving them away. We have a apartment building again in Atlanta. No reason Atlanta, but I like the market. It's a uh, twelve thousand a unit to buy, two thousand a unit to fix. That's fourteen thousand dollars a unit in a nice area. There's sixty four units, and each unit rents for six hundred dollars a month. So you buy something for fourteen grand. If you borrow from somebody, your payment's a hundred bucks a month. You have six hundred dollars a month of rent coming in. How does that sound? Yeah, it's because you're able to buy it. So this is something that was foreclosed upon by the bank. Yeah, a small bank took it and listed it with a realtor, and we found it off the Craigslist. So do you have people looking for you? You don't do this yourself, I assume. You know, I still do it myself because I love it, but uh, just like any business, you need, to get, you need to leverage yourself. And I used to do everything myself like most entrepreneurs, and I was very busy, and I made some money. And now my job is to get everybody doing everything, and I try to do as little as possible. <laughs> and that's a big shift. And it's hard to do for an entrepreneur because we want to control everything. We don't want to let go. But uh, it's a shift I've made. And because then I'm now free and I can travel around and take time off and spend time with my family. And that's the real uh, benefit of financial freedom. You know, what's a weekend worth with your son or your loved one or your uh, parents or your grandparents? That to me is priceless. So I like to set up my business where other people are helping me. When I make money, they make money. And, uh, you know, be careful who you work with. And I got all kinds of people looking for deals. And it's, it's easy. Anyone can do it. Yeah. So that's kind of the quick flip uh, technique. And then how about holding on for a longer term to have positive cash flow? Is that working today? Yeah, that's the, better than ever because stuff is less expensive. And rents actually have not gone down. They've actually been going up as more people have lost uh, homeownership um, and very few things are being built. And that's where you make the real money in real estate. It's hard to manage property. It's not a lot of fun. You know, no one when they were six years old in elementary school and they said, Johnny or Susie, what do you want to do for a living? And they say, you know what? I want to manage middle-income property and deal with broken commodes and busted doors. That's my dream. I don't want to be an astronaut or a president or a ballerina. So management of property is not that much fun. So I hire managers now and manage the managers. But if you're in it for the long term, like seven or ten years plus, your tenants pay down your debt. The property will probably go up in value. There's all kinds of tax incentives. And if you can do it, that's the real wealth builder, buying and holding for the long term. And the markets will come back. They always do. Is, is the very cheap money available today helpful in uh, making deals? You know, the good news is yes, and the bad news is not, no. And I'll tell you why. Interest rates are low, but it's very difficult for an investor to get a bank loan because so many of them were burned. Um, so I haven't really been to the banks to borrow money in a while, but most people are making two, three, four percent on their money or they lost 20 percent in the stock market three years ago. So there's a lot of private money out there through retirement plans and self-directed pension plans. And that's what we teach people to use. Um, and interest rates are literally near zero. Um, now a private investor is going to charge you a little more, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine percent, but that's okay because there's deals out there. So the money is always an issue, 
And, uh, you know, we teach people how to use other people's money, but the deal's got to be great because there's only one thing worse than losing your money, and that's losing somebody else's money. <laughs> so this is somebody, very, very you go cool. to people who have money, cash in their retirement accounts or something like that and get them to finance yeah, the deal. They can put a self-directed retirement account instead of buying stocks or bonds, or they can put a loan on your ha- on an investment house and get a first mortgage just like the bank and be fairly protected. Hmm. Interesting. What would be some resources that you would recommend uh, for people wanting to know more about real estate investing? Well, we have uh, some videos on our uh, website, robertsheeman.com. There's also National Association of Real Estate Investors.org. And there's real estate groups in every city, most major cities that are pretty good. There's investors and they, they educate people and help each other out. And uh, that's where I learned a lot from my local real estate investor group. National Association of Real Estate Investors dot uh, org. Okay, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Robert Schumann. Uh He has written sixteen best-selling books on different aspects. When we get back, we're going to talk about what he wrote called "How Come That Idiot's Rich and I'm Not." Uh, we'll kind of get into that a little bit, as well as other uh, topics. We'll be back after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Robert Shemin. Uh, he calls himself a wealth creator. Uh, he's written 16 best-selling books on different aspects of financial life. And now, Robert, we want to talk about your book called How Come That Idiot's Rich and I'm Not. Welcome back to the show. Good to be with you, Jordan. Uh, we've all thought that, haven't we? How come that idiot's rich and I'm not? So you have different secrets. The first one is to turn everything you ever thought about getting rich upside down. What, what are some of the things that people think that are, in fact, wrong about getting rich? 
Well, you know, most of what we're taught is incorrect. Uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in a very modest family. Um, you know, I was struggling financially, and uh, I was more like many people, you know, we can't afford this, we can't afford that, and, and that really affects people's subconscious. But more importantly, what are we talking about money? I was brought up to say, well, in order, and a lot of people think this now, in order to make money, you got to have money. And I don't have a lot of money, so I can't start a business, I can't start investing, so I'll never start. Studies show that about 85% of the multimillionaires in America and North America started with less than a thousand dollars. So there goes that myth that you need money to have money. The second one is that, you know, uh, rich, successful people are like super smart and they got some super advanced degrees. And that's true in a few cases, you know, if you're an internet or technology expert, but most multimillionaires have very simple businesses. A lot of them are very simple people with very uh, limited backgrounds. So it goes that myth, uh, you know, out, out of the, you know, that's just not true. So a lot of things we're, we're taught about money just aren't true. And here's another favorite of mine, and I know you know this, you know, the um, if you take about $80 a week, which is what most people blew at Starbucks or on margaritas last weekend, and invested it for 30 years and performed underperformed the market about 8%, that becomes almost a million dollars in 30 years. If you're able to make 12% on that 80 something dollars a week um, invested and saved, that becomes over two or three, two, two and a half million dollars. And the question is, why don't most people have an account somewhere with a couple hundred grand sitting in it? Well, they never systematically started saving or investing. Um, and if you can't start with 80 bucks a week, start with two, but get into a systematic investing and saving program. And uh, the last thing is, you know, we're all taught. Uh, to go work for a company, put in your time. You know, this is what I was brought up to do. Robert, work until you're about 70, you know, save some dollars, uh, work for a company, retire, and then you can have fun for a few years, and then you die. And I don't, I didn't like those rules. I want to have fun now. I want to be wealthy and for people to be wealthy sooner than later. And the only way to really get wealthy is to own or control assets. Even people that have high incomes like anesthesiologists or even CEOs, they really make their real wealth from investing that income and owning assets like stocks and bonds, like real estate, or owning their own business. So I think you have to pick one of those three ways and get started, even if it's just part-time or little-time. And that's how I got started. I, I had a job, and I started part-time for the first couple of years. So those are a few of the myths, I think. How does that sound? Sounds good. You also have a secret, which is to follow the spiritual laws of wealth. Uh, what are some of the spiritual laws people should follow? Well, I believe, and everyone's beliefs are different, um, and I respect everyone's beliefs, but I think there's some things that are universally true for almost all beliefs, and, and this has pretty much been proven. Number one, if you're not grateful, which I mentioned earlier, for what you have, you'll never be wealthy. People think wealth is a number, um, and it's not. I'll give you an example. I've got a friend uh, here in, in where I'm speaking from. He's, his name is Dan. He's got $12 million in his checking account. That's not his net worth. That's just like, you know, you keep a little money around just in case. And he's always worried. You know, he's stressed out. He works all the time. He's worried about the government, taxes, attorneys, uh, uh, employees stealing from him, never really relaxes. I don't think he's wealthy, even though he has a lot of money. And then somebody who's uh, maybe making a couple grand a month who enjoys their life and loves what they do and is balanced, they could be the wealthiest person in the world. So if you're not grateful uh, for what you have, you'll never be wealthy. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, I was just got back today. Um, where I have a charity in South America. We, we work with street children. And most people listening, they may not feel wealthy today because of all the media and the stress, but they have access to clean drinking water, which puts them in the top, you know, 
10% of the world's population. They probably have shelter. They probably have some access to health care, whether they like the access or not. And they're probably the top 5 4% of the population, but they don't feel wealthy. And the reason is is, is you got to be grateful. And once you feel wealthy and appreciate what you have, I think becoming really wealthy is a lot easier. Um, and the other thing, money is uh, a tool. It's you got to put it in the flow. Um, and I'm a big believer, as most people are, in, in some form of charitable giving, uh, tithing, whatever it may be. And I think when people do that, there is some some rule there where it just works better. Um, so there you go. And I always believe putting other people first, even in your business, not only be happier and have better clients and customers, but you'll probably end up making more money. So those are just a couple of rules. Number one, be grateful. Uh, number two, understand that you know money is just a tool. And then uh, number three, uh, you know, some form of, of charitable giving is, I think, a, a real a real key for people to really become super wealthy. You've just come out with your latest book. It's called Living the Significant Life. Sounds like some of the things you just talked about. What are some of the areas that you talk about in that new book? Well, I mentioned something um, that I think will help a lot of people. A lot of people I meet are what's called contingently happy. They say, when I make a lot of money, then I'll be able to do what I want to do. When I meet the right person, then I'll be happy. And the point of living this different life is why not start living your life significantly now? You know, you may not have a lot of extra time or money, but if you want to do charitable stuff or create something, why not create it now part-time? And the book is a lot of stories of people, regular people, who've done amazing things. And the point of the book is to go from success to significance. Um, a lot of people who work, and whether they're making money or not, or a lot of people who made a lot of money, they've realized that's not the end-all, be-all. It's really about helping others, making an impact, uh, having a cause or mission. And I think that's what will make people really successful um, and really significant as opposed to just saying, well, uh, I'm, I'm doing well and I've got some money and you know, I'm taking care of things. So, so you're saying people who are successful have these kind of broader visions and are not just consumed by the money part of it. That's right. And then there's a lot of people we look at that seem successful that really aren't that happy. Something's missing. And I think that missing part is doing something significant. And to me, and I know you've made a lot of money and you help people and a lot of people listening have too, you know, there's nothing more rewarding than actually helping someone else or having an impact, whether it's a community, a child, a friend, a relative. And that's really what takes you from, I believe, from success to significance. And what happened to me was... um a, a big religious leader came and stayed in my condo in Miami, and I was retired um, at age 30-something, just traveling around, had a lot of money, living well. And he asked me a question. He said, when your son goes to school and asks your son, what does your dad do for a living, what does your son say? And I said, well, I guess he says my dad did this and that. And he looked me in the eye and said, what would you want your son to say? And I asked that to everybody, what would you want your loved ones to say about you? Um, you know, what do you do or what, what have you really done? And I went back to work and started donating a large portion of income to charity, you know, direct charity. And I just, I felt so much better about everything and was so much more motivated because again, what I was doing was more significant than just out working and paying bills and, you know, going on vacations, which is great too. Tell people a little bit more about what they can find out at your website, robertshemin.com and, and what kind of seminars you put on. Yeah. Well, we, uh, thank you. We put, um, uh, a little training course, a pretty big training course for free for your listeners up there at robertshemin.com. It's called the 12 new rules for success in 2012. And it's actually a, 
like a coaching course, and it kind of gives you what's going on. As everyone knows, things have changed in the last few years as far as business and money and real estate and time management. So we give people some real tools, and there's other resources there too. And uh, it hopefully has my calendar. I speak all over the world, all over America. And I'd love for any of your listeners, if they're interested, to let us know, and we'll invite them to one of our uh, conferences or uh, webinars and uh, hopefully help them, uh, help them become successful and help them help other people. Terrific. In about a minute we have left, why don't you kind of sum up what a difference it can make to follow some of your rules instead of the way most people act today? Well, number one thing, the big picture, set a goal. Where do you really want to go? And uh, are you going there now? Uh, number two, you know, if you're grateful for what you have, I think you're automatically uh, wealthy. And number three, pick a path to real success and wealth, whether starting your own business, investing. And if you don't think you can get started, there's always a way. And the last thing is, just like what you're doing now, get a mentor, whether it's your radio show or a book or a wealthy uncle or SCORE score or an investor at the local real estate club. We all need help, and people have helped me, and everyone needs someone to help guide them along. So everybody, please find someone who's doing what you want to do and see if you can help them and they can help you get there. That's, I think, a really big key. That's what you're doing with this radio show, people, giving out great information. Absolutely. All right. Well, this has been terrific. Uh, my guest has been Robert Shemin. Uh, he's the author of 16 best-selling books about real estate and about wealth, all kinds of different things. His website, to find out more, is robertshemin.com. And thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Robert. Happy investing, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.